Greetings and salutations. Welcome to P3. My name is Byron James Ariza, your host, where we discuss politics and what's making news in pop culture. This week, we'll discuss who's up, who's down, and who's most definitely out. We have three people who are up and one person who's down and probably should be out. And in our pop culture section, we have a great conversation with style maven Megan Markoniak of Megan Marco Style. You'll want to listen to that. It's quite illuminating. As Ralph Bunch put it in his Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech, the United Nations is the greatest peace organization ever dedicated to the salvation of mankind's future on earth. But that's only true if America is leading the way. When America shows up, when we are consistent and persistent, when we exert our influence in accordance to our values, the United Nations can be an indispensable institution for advancing peace, security, and our collective well-being. If instead we walk away from the table and allow others to fill the void, the global community suffers, and so do American interests. In particular, we know China is working across the UN system to drive an authoritarian agenda that stands in opposition to the founding values of the institution. American values. Their success depends on our continued withdrawal. That will not happen on my watch. From climate change to COVID-19, nonproliferation to mass migration, technological disruptions to human rights violations, today's problems are urgent, they are complex, and they are global. Meeting these challenges means meeting with our fellow nations, especially in the world's most important diplomatic forum. To that end, before I answer your questions, let me outline three key priorities that will guide my work as U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, if confirmed. First, our leadership must be rooted in our core values, support for democracy, respect for universal human rights, and the promotion of peace and security. Second, we must have the courage to insist on reforms that make the UN efficient and effective. And third, as US ambassador to the United Nations, if confirmed, I would seek to develop a strong partnership with this committee, which I've had the great pleasure of working with often throughout my career in the Foreign Service. I want the conversation and the collaboration we began today to continue throughout my service. And I look forward to answering your questions. Those were the words of Linda Thomas Greenfield during her confirmation hearings. This week, she was confirmed as America's ambassador to the United Nations. Ms. Thomas Greenfield was born in Baker, Louisiana, and earned a Bachelor of Arts from Louisiana State University in 1974 and a master's degree in public administration from the University of Wisconsin at Madison in 1975. She taught political science at Bucknell University 
before joining the Foreign Service in 1982. She served as Deputy Assistant Secretary, Bureau of Population, Refugees and Migration, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of African Affairs, and Ambassador to Liberia. In addition, Thomas Greenfield was had foreign postings in Switzerland, Pakistan, Kenya, the Gambia, Nigeria, and Jamaica. From 2013 to 2017, she served as the Assistant Secretary of State for African Affairs and the United States Bureau of African Affairs. She is a non-resident fellow at Georgetown University, having been the Distinguished Fellow of African Studies from fall 2017 to spring 2019. In 2017, she was terminated by the Trump administration as part of the purge of senior State Department officials and career professionals over nearly four years, according to the Los Angeles Times. Ms. Thomas Greenfield won the week. She is a fantastic ambassador and will serve the United Nations and our country well. Now I would like to list, let you listen to, her, to some of her, her story because it's not about what she's done now, it's about what, how she, what she came from, from Louisiana. Remember where I started. Segregated community, segregated schools, poor undereducated parents. I was moving forward. After graduating from the University of Wisconsin, I would go on to join the Foreign Service and become a diplomat. And my career would take me to far-flung places around the world. But in April 1994, I would arrive in Kigali, Rwanda. And you will recall that in April 1994, there was a genocide in Rwanda. I was confronted by a glazed-eyed young man who had been given instructions to kill a woman by the name of a goth. And he thought that I was a goth. And interestingly, I didn't panic. I was afraid, don't get me wrong, but I didn't panic. And I looked that young man in the eyes and I asked him his name and I told him mine. I wanted him to know my name because if he killed me, I wanted him to know the name of the person he'd killed. And I brought out my improved diplomatic smile that my mom had taught me. And I used the power of kindness and compassion, and I would survive. Sadly, a goth would be killed, along with 800,000 other people in Rwanda. It changed my life forever. I would go on in my Foreign Service career, and in 2010, while serving as a U.S. ambassador to Liberia, I would be gr granted a Louisiana Legend Award. I still laugh at that. I, I call myself a legend in my own 
online, uh, but it was a pretty big award. And that same year in 2010, Louisiana State University, the same Louisiana State University that I'd experienced the hostility at in the 1970s, gave me an Alumnus of Distinction Award. And as I thought about what I was going to say during that speech, I decided I needed to be thankful that there was no reason for me to feel any anger or antipathy toward this university that had made me into the person I am today. In 2012, the university would invite me to give a commencement address. Imagine, I had gone on that campus in 1970, unwanted, and I go back in 2012 and give the commencement address in front of 5,000 people. And I thank the university. I thank the university for giving me the experiences that made me into the successful person I had become. So let me conclude. Adversity is a source of strength. Every single time you're tested, you flex your adversity muscles and you grow stronger. But you also have to add a measure of kindness and a measure of compassion with that as well. And a smile. Oh. And so anytime you face some challenges in your life, you just pull out those muscles and you remember how you dealt with it in the past and you move forward. That is the legacy that I want to leave to my children, to my grandchildren, and to your children. That's the legacy that I inherited from my mother. Thank you. Another hot topic in politics this week is a thing and not a person. The thing earmarks. Now this may become a little wonky and inside baseball for some people, but it's something you need to know about. House Democrats are bringing back earmarks. They're and they're pretty excited about it. Senate Democrats haven't said it publicly, but I imagine they'll follow suit. Their appropriators, the lawmakers who spend money, sure want them. So let's stop there. What are earmarks? An earmark refers to congressional provisions directing funds to be spent specific projects or direct specific exemptions from taxes or mandated fees. Earmarks known as hard earmarks are found in legislation itself. Soft earmarks are placed next to the text and congressional committee reports. Hard earmarks have the effect of law. Despite soft earmarks not having the effect of law, they are treated as being binding. Legislators have historically sought to insert earmarks to direct specific amounts of money to organizations or projects in a member's home state or district. 
What this means is your legislator, representative from the Senate or the House, can insert into a bill, a bill a certain amount of money for a special project. Let's say it is an environmental bill and someone from, let's say, North Carolina. They want a highway project. They can write into the bill a specific amount of money for their their district, and it could be passed into law. Now, earmarks were done away back in the middle 2000s, 2009, 2010, I believe. Um, that was led by the Tea Party because they were physical conservatives and all of that. But since the age of that other one, 45, we have moved on. Senate Republicans have been mum about what they'll do. But Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said Tuesday he would defer to Richard Shelby, the top Republic Republican on the Appropriations Committee. That seemed as, a, as good as saying, McConnell saying, start your earmark engines. Both McConnell and Shelby are enthusiastic earmarkers back in the day. And we found some very interesting conversations with Republican insiders. It seems like GOP wants to support earmarks. Here's some things we've heard. The minority isn't like the Tea Party, a fueled group of a decade ago. Instead, they are inspired by former President Donald Trump who had no problem spending vast amounts of federal money. Bringing back earmarks doesn't seem like a huge ideological hurdle to, now for them. Democrats, they want them. If Republicans don't, they'll be at a substantive political disadvantage. Many Republicans make the argument that GOP lawmakers don't want unelected bureaucrats in the Biden administration deciding where federal dollars are spent in their districts. They believe Republicans should grab control of the process while they have a chance by earmarking funds. In the words of Rachel Maddow, which don't listen to what they say, watch what they do. Earmarks are coming back. The Office of Management and Budget is one of the most important cabinet level positions in the Biden administration. Neera Tandon is up for that position, but doesn't look like she's gonna make it out of committee. So Republicans went after her because she had mean tweets and she said some, some pretty vicious things about people on both sides of the aisle. She's a former Hillary Clinton advisor. So she went after Bernie Sanders pretty hard. Bernie Sanders chairs the committee where uh, she had to make it through. So you do the math. So Democrats are not scrambling. The Biden administration said they, they're really supporting Neera. But we've heard someone else is in the mix and who is moving up steadily. And it's Shalonda Young. She's the person who is, she has uh, been nominated to be the junior at OMB. And next week is going to be really interesting because she is steadily moving up everyone's list of the person who should have that job from the Legislative Black Caucus to Republicans. Senator Richard Shelby, Republican from Alabama, 
the top Republican GOP appropriator, said this week that he would back Shalanda Young to head the Office of Management and Budget if the Senate does not con confirm near attendance. This is a quote from him. I believe she would be good in that role, he said in a statement to the Hill. She's smart. She knows the process in and out. And she's an honest broker who has demonstrated the ability to work with both sides and get things done. She would have my full support. And I suspect many of my Republican colleagues would support her as well. But that's up to the Biden administration. Young, who has served as the House Appropriations Committee's Democratic Staff Director since 2017, was nominated last month to be the deputy director of OMB. She has emerged as a potential contender to lead the agency as Tandon struggles to gain bipartisan support in the role. Republicans have come out against Tandon's nomination after past tweets she made taking shots in that the party gained renewed scrutiny during her confirmation process. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Shalanda Young. Listen to some in a past interview with Shalanda Young and watch this space. So we've discussed who's up. So now let's discuss who's down. Former Senator Kelly Loeffler is starting a voter registration and outreach group called Greater Georgia and her first public move since losing the Senate, Senate seat to Democratic Raphael Warnock on January 6. Loeffler's group will mirror some of the same functions of Fair Fight, the Stacey Abrams affiliated group, that many Democrats credit with a significant progress in moving the party forward in the state of Georgia. Loeffler's group will focus on registering conservative-leaning voters, engaging low-propensity voters, and strengthening election security. Our state is greater and our democracy is stronger when everyone's voice is heard. And that's exactly what Greater Georgia's work is all about, Loeffler, a Republican in a statement said earlier. She would be the chairwoman of the group. But far too many in our state, the importance and the sanctity of their vote is in question. That's why we're rolling up our sleeves to register conservative-leaning voters who have been overlooked, to regularly engage more communities, and to strengthen election integrity across our state. Loeffler will be seeding the group with a seven-figure investment and will use the donor network she built from the runoff election. She is not, she is not ruling out a, a Senate run in 2022, but her focus for now will be Greater Georgia, a spokesperson said. Loeffler starting Greater Georgia comes after Democrats made significant strides that culminated in wins in the presidential election and two Senate seats and a reliably red state. Republicans have been alarmed at the effectiveness of Abrams' political machine, and Greater Georgia is Loeffler's attempt to match that ahead of 2022, when the state will see several consequential statewide races. Not only will Warnock be up for re-election, but there will be races for governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and secretary of state. Loeffler's group's mission makes it essentially the conservative version of Abrams' fair fight, except Great Greater Georgia would be pushing for reforms on election transparency and uniformity, essentially putting in place safeguards to make election irregularities and fraud more unlikely. 
Really? Really, Kelly Loeffler? After four recounts. Four. Hand recounts. Joe Biden won Georgia. Joe Biden won Georgia. Joe Biden won Georgia. And the Senate, Senator Warnock beat you. Senator Ossoff beat Purdue. That's not going to change. At least in fair fight, Stacey Abrams is registering everyone, not just leaning votes. If you are a patriot and you believe in democracy, everyone should have the right to vote, and that vote should be protected. We'll see. Kelly Leffler, moving down. In our pop culture section, I had a great conversation with Megan Markoniak, the style editor and guru of Megan Markle's style. We talk about everything from cocktails to relationship. I think you're really going to like it. Take a listen. We had a great conversation last evening. Greetings and salutations, kids. How are you? Welcome to P3, the pop culture section of our podcast. We've added something new this week. We are going to do a little video. And of course, our special guest star, Style Maven, Bon Vivant for Richmond, Virginia. I give you Megan Markoniak. Good evening, Megan. Hello, thank you for inviting me to join you on this Friday evening. You are, you are so welcome. And full disclosure, my best friend from college is friends with Megan. So that's how we know each other. So we, yes. won't, tell, we won't tell any stories out of school about Jeffrey, but he <laughs> is a wonderful person. And uh, I'm glad we, we both have him in common. Same here. And now we're friends, even though we haven't even ever hung out in person together. I know I cannot wait until the restrictions subside and when you could come to New York, I, I can come to Richmond. It's, it's yes. going to be fun because I have been told the rooftop at Quirk is where it is. That is very true. That is, we can take you on a whole tour of the city, but that roof patio is the place to be outstanding. So what's pop culture of Friday afternoon, Friday evening, unless you have a cocktail? Now I instructed Megan earlier, I want her spring cocktail suggestions, but I'm going to begin with mine. So I mixed it up a little earlier. It's a little gin, pomegranate juice, and some lemonade. Now I mm. thought this was something I had made up, but of course I went to the Google machine and they call it a pomegranate sling. So let's go ahead and try this baby. Pre-stirred, pre-shaken. And let me go ahead and give this a little taste. I'm in love. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm a gin guy, always have been a gin guy. My very first cocktail that I ever got liquored up on, gin, stuck with me. Ooh, 
Dang, that's a strong first choice. I know. <laughs> but that's <Sorry>. great. <laughs> I was going to say I was Googling some cocktail trends for spring and lemonade actually was one of the ones that they were talking about. Whether, um, you know, it's can't, you know, the canned like White Claw Truly kind of lemon drinks. I guess the Truly Lemon is like one of the top five selling drink labels in the United States right now. Or whether it's just, you know, a lemonade like you have where you add some stuff to spike it. But I thought I didn't choose one of those drinks for tonight, but I thought about it. So I'm glad you hit the lemonade trend for us. <laughs> Well, you know, whenever I'm at I'm ordering on Drizzly or I'm at the liquor store, the thing that comes to mind is WWMD. What would Megan do? <laughs> so that's why I went with this. So without further ado, give me your cocktails for spring 21 because we're going to need them. That is for sure. All right. And since you also mentioned making one, so I am going to make a cocktail as well so we can sip for the rest of our conversation. Fantastic. And the one that I'm going to assemble here is a Ray Pizzato elderflower margarita. Wow. Right? Sounds fabulous, right? And so another trend, I guess tequila is going to be making a big comeback. Again, maybe to your point, rough spring coming up, we're all going to need tequila. <laughs> Brown or white? So rape, I've got Ray Pizzato today. So Ray Pizzato is usually brown. Um, and I think the rule I was checking it was that Ray Pizzato has to be aged, I believe, for a few months up to two years. I don't remember the exact date. So there's the Blanco tequila, which is that silver one that you always see, Ray Pizzato, and then Anejo, which is the more aged. I think it has to be two years plus. So for this one. We get two ounces of tequila, but actually we got to make it all in a shaker. And did I bring everything in here but my shot glass? I might have. So we will use my little measuring cup. Sounds good to me. All right, so I've got my shaker. It's already got some ice in there. We have got a half an ounce of honey syrup. And so honey syrup is similar to simple syrup, but you literally just combine honey and warm water and shake it together. It's really easy to make. You don't have to heat anything on the stove or do anything else. Plus, I mean, it's maybe a little healthier than simple syrup. I don't know. Well, what's the consistency of that? Is, is it still kind of uh, thick? Not really. I mean, you see, I just kind of was able to dump it in there. Uh, and that's what I love about it. So I will make that and just keep it on hand. And I mean, even in the morning, you can pour it in coffee because again, it's not so sticky. You know, usually the honey jar, you get the honey out. It's like everywhere. This a is a little bit easier. Now, would you suggest the tequila for breakfast also, or? I mean, it depends on the day. No mm -hmm. judgment from me. <laughs> um, I've also got three quarters of an ounce of lime juice. I'm dumping in there. And then I have some St. Germain. So that's gonna be my elderflower. Mm -hmm. And we need a half an ounce of that. And then uh, again, to get us ready for the weekend, two ounces of tequila. There we go. <laughs> That's right. So pour that all in there. You know what? Throw three in there. Who's who's? Ooh, that might be <laughs> just like oh, I mean, there's only this much left in the bottle. Just dump it all in there. <laughs> Finish it all off. You know. And then we just shake it all together. So the other thing that's nice about this is, I mean, it's a super easy cocktail. 
And I already have my glass here that I rimmed with some salt. Um, you can use any salt. I actually was digging around and found a rose chili salt that I have from a local mm. salt maker. So I used that and it looks kind of pretty. It's got a pink tint and it's got little pepper flakes and teeny tiny rose petals. That sounds fantastic. I'm, I'm not big on, because I like my margarita uh, rocks, no salt, but yes. I'll do anything, especially when, when you're in Mexico or wherever you are, just go with it. Right? You whatever you just got to roll. Yeah, whatever the local custom is, do it. Yep. And then with this one, you actually don't even strain it. You just dump it all in the glass. Nice. That was quick too. Yeah, I mean, you probably could shake it a little longer. And then they say to top it with a lime wedge. I actually made these little dehydrated lime slices recently. So I'm going to pop that on there. And then well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did Megan just go Martha Stewart on me? <laughs> Went a little Martha Stewart. <laughs> Martha on me. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, it's been about like three months that I've said I wanted to make these and finally I did. And by make them, you cut the citrus really thin and bake it in the oven. But finally I made it to do it. <laughs> the things you learn. This is fantastic. I love that. Yeah, right. All right. Well, cheers, my friend. Cheers, darling. That that's that now tell me the name again. So Ray Posado Elderflower Margarita. Elderflower Margarita. Cheers. Happy Friday. And it mm. is very tasty. Mm. Okay, margarita down. What do we have yes. next? All right, so I've got two other ones to tell you about. Um, and so when I think of spring, you know, it's the start of warm weather. So, you know, a lot of the time, you know, in your head, you start to think about all of these fruits, but they're not actually always ripe and in the store yet. True. So sometimes I tend to lean more toward picking like fresh herbs or um, floral flavors, like in this one, the elderflower with the St. Germain. Mm -hmm. So um, the first one that I have is a basil smash. And so this uses your gin, which you love. And gin will make you sin. I'm just <laughs> I mean, I hey, do. sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Uh, so this one is gin. So it's two ounces of gin. Um, it's got fresh lemon juice, simple syrup, and basil leaves. And so again, to make it what you would do, you would take your glass or your cocktail shaker. You would add your ounce of fresh lemon juice and five or 10 basil leaves and like about two thirds of an ounce of simple syrup and muddle it a little bit. Nice. You, you make your own simple syrup. I do some, most of the time. I mean, and there's philosophies on whether you should cook the simple syrup on the stove or whether you should use a confectioner sugar and water. I've done both. Um, what's hard is I always feel like I make it for a cocktail and then it, I put it in the fridge and it sits there for a while. Well, but so when you make the simple syrup, can you bottle it, like put it on your, 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 your bar or your bar cart? I think you're technically supposed to store it in the fridge. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've definitely seen people, I've gone to their houses and they have a store-bought simple syrup just sitting out. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think technically you're not supposed to do that, but then, I mean, I kind of think if it's sitting there and there's not like mold growing on it, it's probably fine. I mean, you're also using a bunch of liquor with it, so you're killing the germs, the alcohol, right? The alcohol kills everything. <laughs> so, yeah. But so anyway, so you put that stuff in the shaker, you um, add some ice, add the gin, shake it up. 
And then again, just you can strain it into a glass and have it like a martini, or you can uh, put it over fresh ice, like a crushed ice kind of a drink. But some friends and I had a variation of this in Portugal and came back and every single person sitting there, there was probably a group of six of us loved this drink. Um, People that didn't like vodka or didn't like gin would get it with vodka. You can use either one if you're someone that is afraid of gin, which I think is nuts, but a lot of those people exist. Um, But either way, it's just, I think it's a really refreshing one. And again, you know, you might not have fresh vegetables, but fresh basil you can buy at the store. You can get a basil plant and that's a harder one to kill. (laughs) And Amazon, uh, Amazon fresh gets it to you within an hour. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Now what's our last cocktail? I'm looking forward to All right. So for the last one, I actually decided to go traditional and talk about mint juleps because, you know, Derby day is coming up. I don't know what we'll do for the Derby this year, but you know, when I think of spring, I always think of mint juleps and, you know, it's one of those things that people make for the Kentucky Derby, but really it's good all the time. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And again, not that many ingredients. So, you know, you need four or five mints, sprigs, a half an ounce of simple syrup or two sugar cubes and two and a half ounces of bourbon. So this is your boozy Friday drink. Let me tell um, you, it's that, yeah. that half an ounce, that's what gets you. Not the two. Right. Push you. Push you. Right over the edge. Yep. And so this one, you know, it's really easy to, again, you just muddle the mint with the sugar cubes. Um, add the um, ice and the bourbon, shake it up, or even just stir it. You can mix it all in the exact glass, like throw the mint in the glass, throw the simple syrup in the glass, muddle it gently, throw some ice in there, throw in your bourbon, give it a stir and put some mint leaves on top. Um, And my other suggestion, if you do want to make it fruity, you can make a strawberry simple syrup. So on your stove, you would boil, um, I think equal parts, sugar and strawberries and then just water and you cook it till it thickens and kind of starts to break down and then you strain it. And then that kind of gives a fresher take on the drink. Fantastic. And Bertie did tell me that there was a derby party up on the roof of Quirk and you had a fantastic hat. And if you saw the the promos for, um, for, for this podcast and vlog, there was a photo of Megan I think actually, I think it was a pink hat. It was fine. Yep. And I actually got that hat in Kentucky. A friend and I went to the Derby one year and there is this famous store called D's Hats where I guess everybody gets their hat. So we swung into Kentucky, (laughs) swung into D's and then went to the race that's the night before the Derby. There's, you know, a night before and then there's the actual Derby. But it was like we hit all the stops and then headed out. (laughs) And I love pre-gaming. Pre-gaming is almost as fun as you're getting ready the day before. Oh, yes. Well, oh, that's fun. Fantastic. I am with you. And and like, yeah, the getting ready all together is one of my favorite things. Like have some champagne, you know, kind of get dressed, kind of hang out, whatever. And then everybody heads out together. I think that's my favorite way to hit a party. Wow. Thank you, Megan. Let's cheers mm-hmm. again on these cocktails. Yes. And don't, don't worry, I'll post these cocktails for you so you yep. will be able to mix and do everything. So right. don't go away, right back. Welcome back. Those cocktails were just fantastic, and I'm still sipping. 
So we have Megan here, and she is the arbiter of Megan Marco style. And I'll let her tell you what that's all about. And it's a great lifestyle brand. You got to dig it. Yes, yeah. So Marco style, um, I kind of say it's all about making everyday sparkle. Uh, if you are watching the video of Byron's podcast, I've got some sparkly jewelry on and got some glitter in the background. Uh, I love sparkles, but the attitude is just kind of about enjoying every day, doing something special for yourself every day. So, you know, you have that wedding china that's sitting on a shelf. Don't leave it on the shelf every day. You have those sparkly shoes that you think you can only wear to some fancy occasion. Throw them on with some jeans and go out and enjoy your life and feel special. So that's kind of the philosophy behind it. The tagline is sip, savor, style. So, you know, cocktails, food, and lifestyle, whether it's fashion, whether it's travel, all of those different things. So you can follow me on Instagram at Megan Marco Style, M-A-R-C-O. I also have a website, marcostyle.net, but uh, kind of always happy to dish and give recommendations about all those different things. And again, all about really loving yourself and about, you know, positivity, making yourself feel special. I am down for that. <laughs> I am a loyal follower of Megan. Her Instagram stories are legend and they are epic. <laughs> Post the best food. If you need, in Richmond, Virginia, if you need to know where you should eat, Megan is where, that's your first stop. <laughs> Very first stop. Margarita night, pizza. And I do <laughs> believe Richmond is one of the best eating cities by food and wine in the country. It is, yes. It also constantly gets recognized by Bon Appetit magazine. Restaurants always are making their list of top restaurants. It's kind of funny because people think of us as a small town, but we really have a diverse and Epicurean food scene. That's fantastic. I can't wait to come to Richmond. I am so looking forward to it. So Megan, let's move into some fun stuff. <laughs> now I'm married. I haven't been on a first date in years. And as um, a great gay poet used to tell me, sometimes you have to kiss a lot of frogs until you meet your husband. <laughs> I kissed a lot of frogs. Or I was like, my mom always says, you have to kiss a lot of frogs so you find the frog you're going to marry. That's true. <laughs> okay. So it's a Friday night. He or she calls. Let's go out. I'm not sure if you met on social media, you met through friends, you did something. What's your go-to first date outfit? Cool, first date outfit. I knew that we were going to talk outfits, but I didn't think my go-to first date outfit. That's a good question. First date. Because you, so, you, know, you have some lucky jeans or that lucky blouse, that thing that makes you just feel like, yeah, effervescent. Yes, yeah. Usually my go-to is actually a dress and it probably kind of rotates by season. I think the thing about dresses that are nice is you don't have to match anything. Like you put on the dress, you're done. Uh, also, you know, I tend to be someone that likes to dress up a little bit more. And, you know, I was thinking whatever you're going to wear for a first date, you know, you want to look like you're trying, uh, you want to look like you care, but you also want to reflect yourself. And so, you know, for me, flowy, fun dresses in the summer, or maybe a dress in some tights in the winter, you know, that kind of says, I like to 
to dress up a little bit. I usually don't go too fancy, but um, you know, it's easy to, and I know I'm going to put it on and it's going to look good and I'm going to feel good and be good to go. So what I'm reading into that is authenticity is best. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking about. Cause you know, you could tell someone, you know, if you're a guy, oh, you should wear a button down shirt or, you know, oh, don't wear jeans or don't wear sneakers. But again, you know, you want to dress to the venue where you're going. Of course, if you're going to a nice restaurant, don't wear sneakers and cargo shorts. But again, if you're meeting on a patio and that's what you wear and that's what you feel comfortable in, you want to re represent yourself as who you are because you want the person to fall in love with you not an image that you're creating. You want to look like the best version of you, wear clean sneakers and iron the cargo shorts if needed, but you know, be yourself. <laughs> Did you just say cargo shorts? I mean, I hope, I mean, you're not going on a second date with me if you're wearing cargo shorts probably, but there's maybe some girl out there that likes it. Okay. I'm not gonna blaspheme the cargo short. Cargo short industry, do not tweet me, okay? No, but, I am with you. Same. Like, let's I actually really just do. stop producing them. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> to oh, each man. their own. That is true. Okay. <laughs> Who decides the venue or the activity? Do you think someone should take the lead or do you think it should be a collaborative discussion? So I appreciate when someone takes the lead. Um, so for me, because again, people usually Google me and they know that I know a lot about food and drink and places to go. Uh, oftentimes they say to me, you know, oh, you know a lot about restaurants. Why don't you pick a place? And, you know, I'm happy to do that, but I actually love it when the other person steps up and says, hey, do you want to go out? I've got an idea. Let's do this. That's a great idea. And I mean, it doesn't have to be, the other thing that it doesn't have to be the best place ever in the world, right? It has to be a place where you can go and relax and chat. So, you know, sometimes to me, someone might invite me to a place that isn't one of my favorite spots, but I'm happy to go there, happy to check out somewhere else, maybe happy to be somewhere where nobody knows me. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's kind of nice. And it always impresses me when someone makes the effort to think through everything instead of like, Hey, do you want to go out? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? You know, or even to say like, what's your favorite restaurant maybe, you know, and then come back with, oh, hey, do you want to go there for a drink? You know, you could get ideas in a way that's not literally asking the other person to plan the date. True. Once again, what I'm reading into it is <laughs> details, details, details. That tells you a lot about the person. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do something last minute, three, three months down the, down the line, because people are who they are. Right. Very true. <laughs> That's, you know, my first date with uh, the husband, we went to the park and had ice cream. Mm. It was, it was a, it was a fantastic first date. And I, rem I, of all of the first dates I've ever had, it was just fantastic because we talked we walked and I really got to know who he was, which was yeah. when you're starting a relationship, I think that's the most important thing. I agree. And a date like that is low pressure also. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you've pushed yourself into a three course meal and you get to course one and you're like, oh man, we don't get along. 
So that's nice. The other thing I was going to bring up just because of the time that we're in is, you know, in COVID, there's a whole new layer that is added to any sort of dating. If you're dating, if you're not dating, uh, you know, you have to kind of look into what the other person is doing before you go out. Um, the one thing that I think has been nice, though, is it has brought back phone conversations or maybe a video chat before you go out. Um, for a long time, you know, it's like if you're meeting someone online, you know, you message, you message, you message, and they're like, hey, want to meet for a drink, which is fine, but it's actually kind of nice, you know, sometimes to talk to someone <laughs> before you meet them and hear their voice or to see their face and say, you know, oh, do we think that there is going to be something if we meet in person? It builds a little more excitement. So I think it's nice that that's making a comeback, but would encourage continuing it. That That is great. Um, I will say this, that I'm of a certain age because I have a milestone birthday this year. Do not Google me. Do not ask if it's a zero. 21? Don't, don't <laughs> ask. But there's a certain generation of people where texting and nonverbal communication is how they, they interact. And I think nothing tells me more about a person is how they, they communicate, how they, they tell you something and trying to make a point other than in 60 characters. Mm -hmm. and, yep. and just sitting and talking with someone, you really get to know who they are. And yep. you'll, you'll get to know, is this the kind of person I want to take home to my family for the holidays? You know, mm -hmm. the kind of person I want to introduce to my friends. Because, you know, your family is one thing, but your circle of friends can be the most critical and fantastic vetting system you will ever meet in your entire life. Very true. <laughs> I have some very critical friends and I love them all. And Usually they're correct. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I am a critical friend too, because I'm protective of my friends. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that I trust the person that they are going to treat my friends as well as I think they should be treated. That's true. Okay. So once you are, uh, you're sitting down, you're at dinner, what are the three things that you should talk about? What are the three things you should not talk about? All right. So three things you should talk about. So mm -hmm. I think the first thing is just light, fun conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, this goes kind of with, the, they kind of go hand in hand, right? With things you shouldn't talk about. Um, you know, I don't think you need, maybe we'll start with the don'ts. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you need to get into past relationships on a Next first date. Do not yeah. talk about exes. Yes. And, and I know, cause I've been on dates where I went out with someone who was divorced and on the first date, they're telling me the entire story of their divorce. And in my head, that's an immediate flag. If you're telling me this, you're not over your divorce. In the words of uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, that part. Yes. Right? That part. Yes. I think the second one, um, politics, like, I don't think you need to go there on a first date. Uh, figure out if you like the person, there are probably going to be other cues about them that, you know, you can tell if there's someone, you know, oh, we might have differing opinions, but we can get along, or we might have differing opinions and we can't get along, but I don't think you need to go into anything real heavy there. 
Yeah, because you're gonna know if they're a proud boy or not. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you'll know that when they show up to the date. You'll know that one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, hopefully, maybe you just didn't go already. If that's the case, no past, no past relationships, yeah. no politics. One more don't. And I think the third don't is. I mean, I'm gonna have one do about relationships and like kind of what you want for the future and where you see yourself, but. I don't think you need to go heavy on that either. Um, like, I will like, remember. Like, like, your, a LinkedIn, yeah. like a LinkedIn interview. Where do you see yeah. yourself in five years? Yeah. I remember I went on a date uh, like years ago and I'm sitting there at dinner and the guy goes, so how do you feel about being a stay-at-home mom? <laughs> yeah. And, and I just was stunned. And, you know, I think I ended up saying, well, maybe I'd have a part-time job one day. He's like, oh yeah, to, to raise some money to spend on the kids. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, to raise some money to spend on myself, buddy. Ooh. <laughs> there was not a second date after that. <laughs> Thank goodness. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> oof, that's harsh. One of, mm -hmm. one of my dues is, is I'm a Gemini and I love to talk. Yes. And when all my friends say, I talk a lot. So give your partner, give that person time to speak. Let really listen to what they're saying and you can delve into and interpret what, what they're saying. So listening is a really good quality. That is very true. And yeah, one of my dues, I think even based on that is just ask questions. Uh, and you can even have, you know, some back pocket kind of questions to ask, you know, if the conversation lulls, like, one of my go-tos is, you know, just again, if there's if there's a moment when things slow down, tell me about your family. How many siblings do you have? That's a I mean, great, that's a great question. Right. I mean, it, it, it just gives you, again, a little, usually gives you some insight into the person, you know, if they're like, oh, I'm the baby and my family's always taking care of me or, oh, I'm the oldest and I live here and my whole family lives somewhere else, you know, it, it's nice. And again, it's an easy one that isn't too deep, isn't too surface level, but kind of keeps the conversation moving. The person isn't smart enough, they can say back to you, tell me about your family, and then you get some conversation rolling. That's true. Another thing that I like to do is I like to see what they order to drink. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was dating Ignacio, uh, we were in an Italian restaurant, and I said, I'll have, you know, a Pinot. And he says, I really don't drink. And my first thing was, where's the exit? Right? And like, where is this going? I was like, <laughs> I, I, just, I don't know. Uh -uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but he said, I'll have a white wine to join with you. And he's, and that, that, that was the, a clue in my head. It says, he's willing not to be as rigid. He's willing to take a chance to to see where this is going. That really opened him up to me, literally. Well, so the other thing that I was actually gonna bring up and he is, he's Latin, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. So I went on a date with someone who was Argentinian and um, yes. And so on our date, he got the same first drink as I got. And he said, that's actually a cultural thing that they do, um, which is, not. yeah, which I mean, I don't know. I thought this was neat though. He said, it's like, when you go out with someone you order the same first drink as they do so that you can share it together. 
Wow. Um, which I actually think is kind of another neat thing to think about on a date, because again, it gives you something, you know, Ooh, how do you think this tastes? Do you like it? Do you not? Um, it's kind of a smart idea to try. Like that. Where yeah. That? Put that in your back pocket. I like that one. I know. I was like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Okay. Move, moving along. So that you've had a great time. The date's over. What is the determination if they get a kiss or no kiss? Hmm. That is a really, I'm trying to think what is the answer to that? I almost think it's not one thing so much as like just the flow of the whole evening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to your point of, do you kind of jive together? Do you have a nice time? Um, you know, I don't know, is the chemistry, do you feel the chemistry or do you not? Which can be weird because sometimes one person feels the chemistry and one person doesn't. But yeah, that's a tough one. Cause I think it just, that kind of just kind of goes, I'm trying to think of things that would maybe to make you not get a kiss. Because well, um, I'll One you, time, go ahead, oh, you I'll, go ahead. I was gonna, one, of, one of my go-to tricks is <laughs> I like to play coy. Mm. I'll tell them if I had a good time during the date, I'll say, I really had a great time um, and I, I'd like to see you again. And they're going to say yes. So once they start, I give them a kiss on the forehead. Oh. <laughs> Always give them wanting something more. I do like that. That is very true. Because the kiss on the forehead is intimate mm -hmm. and it's, it's sweet and see you next week you know it's it's right uh, it's it's one of the one of the women when i was you know back in the day when i was as the kids say when i was out in them streets but <laughs> you know i'm home now on the sofa watching jeopardy <laughs> but hey someone needs these tips that we have that's true <laughs> but yeah I, I guess i think you can read maybe read body language a little bit too to, mm -hmm. if you're thinking about that <laughs> that's that that's good so if you have any questions about first dates just email us we'll be right there. right we will be happy to dish and come up with an answer for you absolutely and when <laughs> we get back we'll discuss what's worse <laughs> joy reed on msnbc she has who won the week who's the worst person of the day but I'm gonna do Byron's twist on it. And it's called, what's worse? Okay, today's topic, what's worse? A newly engaged woman or a new mother? Let's discuss. Megan, I'll let you have the floor. All right, so I was debating harshly on this and you know, as Byron and I were talking about this topic, we both have, you know, friends who obviously have been newly engaged women. We both have friends who are new mothers. This does not reflect on anyone specific. This is a general conversation. But I think as I was contemplating, I think I'm going newly engaged woman as worst. <laughs> and maybe it's because I don't have enough new mothers that I have been around. Um, but I think the thing with the newly engaged 
woman is she kind of forgets that anyone else is there except for herself, potentially even maybe her fiance. I feel like it's like everyone else fades and everything is about her and her plans and what she wants. What are your thoughts? My, my thoughts are, I'm like, girl, you're not the first person to get married. People have been getting married for thousands of years. Okay, you got married, you found you found a dude. Cause you know what? Men don't, they don't go on about it. It's only women. Oh my God, I just got engaged. Did you see the ring? Okay, great. You're like 50, relax. Right? <laughs> Come on. It's a great point too. Yeah, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm happy for you, but you know what? Come on. But new mothers, see, I'm gonna take the opposite. New All mothers, right. especially the ones with the first baby, I think it changes when you have the second or the third totally new mothers i still don't how old is the baby oh she's 14 months she's a year okay just say she's a year old yes that is true and then have you seen i will say the photos that everyone does now and actually this goes with both my mom and i were talking about recently just like the fact that everyone has to have professional photos for everything in their life now um but the the pictures of the baby every single month you know, on like some sheet or something and, you know, they put dots or something like that. It's just like, okay, it's, it's fine. Whatever. I, I really, uh, it, it gets to me. I love my married folk. I love my folk who are engaged. I'm just not yes. going to talk about it like crazy. And just to let you know, I was a wedding planner for about 12 years. Oh, that's right. So you've seen the Bridezillas. I've seen Bridezillas and I use that term, that this phrase all the time. Girl, you're not the first person to get married. Nope, not at all. And, you know, sometimes I, ha I have to say, girl, you go spend $25,000 on flowers. Really? <laughs> really? And women, and y'all living in that, in that studio apartment in Chelsea. Girl. Right, like... You're going to be paying for those flowers for a while. Priorities, priorities. <laughs> but you know, yeah. we, it was a time, it was a place. I love all y'all. Get married. <laughs> do your thing. I right. got, and the thing is, I planned my own wedding. We got married in Central Park on a rainy fall Sunday morning and then had brunch. Magical. It rained like crazy that morning. And I was, Okay, I was a little Brazil. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's raining. We get there, the rain stops. They, it was dewy. The colors, red, yellow, green in Central Park. It was spectacular. And as oh. my mother always used to tell me, it's going to be the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes Very true. Just go with it, you know. And I'm, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to find somebody. So, and I was just celebrating with my friends, which it was, it was fantastic. But I'll tell That's you that. That's the way it should be. Not having a baby. <laughs> no baby. No baby. I have <laughs> three great. dogs. Three. That's right. Wait a minute, if you can't see them, they're all like. They're all uh, over there. They're right behind me. They're asleep <laughs> on the floor behind me. It's, you foster dogs, right? We do. And we have a new one. Her name is Chanel. She's a sweet. Oh, very um, sweet. This yeah. Okay. But yeah, I was going to say, it's funny quickly as I get older, you know, you see the big weddings and as you get older and, you know, you don't find that special someone, 
you just start axing things from your wedding in your head. You know, like you're at a ceremony and it's so long, you think you're going to die. Forget this. You watch like eight bridesmaids walk down the aisle. Nope, not doing that. Um, Let me tell you but right it, now, if I yeah. see a unity candle one more time, I'm going to blow it out myself. <sighs> right. Ave Maria. Like I've heard it before. Gosh. Um, but I think it is, it really should be about a celebration with your friends. Absolutely. And let me tell you this, that group dance, stop that. No, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think we've been there, done that these days. That was was cute pre-pandemic. We're post-pandemic. Yeah, yeah, now. Mm, You know what? I'm going to start a list. (laughs) Post-pandemic things that, that need to happen. I like that. That's that's the next episode. Things that need to stay pre-pandemic. Oh my gosh. Just, <laughs> I just really, I can't. Okay. And when we come back, our final segment of the day. Which one? You'll see. Okay. Megan has now become the producer of P3. And the title <laughs> of this segment is now This or That. So, Megan, here we go. I have five this or that's and one bonus. All right. Paris or Rome? Paris. Why? Paris. Well, I minored in French also, so I can talk to people there. It's fantastic. IG or Twitter? IG. For the beautiful photos. That's true. And Twitter, they just get a little nuts on Twitter. Right, yeah. Twitter is where you go to find what's happening right now when people are doing crazy things. That is so true. Spring or fall? Spring. That is a tough one though. But I like when, like when it goes from being cold to those first sunny warm days and everyone's out and about. And again, I pull my dresses out of the closet and go have a cocktail. I just love that feeling in the air. I love a fall. The best time to come to New York is late September, early October, when it's not crazy hot. You can go to the mm-hmm. High Line. You can sit outside down in Little Italy and have a little vino, but maybe a little pashmina. It's, oh, divine. Can, can we fast forward? Like to Let's say, say may, we, hope, will we be, hopefully we are both vaccinated by then, and then we can do that. <laughs> what, what, got my first shot two days ago. Oh, did you? Awesome. Well, one month, I'll be, as the kids say, I'll be in the streets. All right. That's amazing. Okay. Now, this is going to be a tough one for you. This or that. What's more important, earrings or shoes? Ooh, that is tough. Um, you can tell I watch your, your, your IG page. You can tell. Yeah, man. It's like, where am I going and what am I doing? Um, I think I'm still going to pick shoes. Okay. The reason I say that is because, again, the shoes contribute to the whole outfit. I mean, if I have to go without earrings, if my hair is like this, like it's okay, I can fix that. But I mean, also bad shoes, bad shoes ruin everything. Bad shoes will tell you a lot about a person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They tell you a whole lot about a person. Bad shoes is back to that no second date thing we talked about. (laughs) And I'll tell you this. when I talk about earrings is um, a drag queen taught this to me when I was in college. And she said to me, get dressed, 
Go stand in front of the mirror, twirl. When you face forward with the mirror, anything that's still moving, take it off. <laughs> and I went, really? I said, well, what about fringe? She said, yeah. Well, performance, darling. And I went, oh, oh. okay. Okay. You like I like fringe also. That's important. Let's be fringe. Okay, I'll go with that. Anything that's still dangling, take it off. Anything still moving, take it off. Oh, oh. <laughs> it comes back to steel magnolias. Ex accessorizing is one of the most important things. Very true. One of the most important that separates us from the lower animals. Accessorize. <laughs> Okay. Accessories and cocktails. True that. <laughs> What's more important? I need, I'm going to pull the Martha Stewart out of you now. Mm. Appetizers or dessert? Appetizers, I think. Mm -hmm. I love an appetizer. Like when I go out to eat, sometimes I only want appetizers. That's the best when you go, like when I'm making food here. Mm -hmm. A dinner of just appetizers is fantastic. Yes. Oh, I love it. And I, think, and I often think when you dine out, chefs get are more creative on the appetizer menu. So like mm -hmm. you're getting more of a taste of what they really love to do than on the entree when they're like, oh, here's a steak and some potatoes or like here's some fish and some quinoa. True. That is Give me your wontons and your spring rolls and your tartare. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, see. <laughs> Wait a minute, just as a sidebar, what's for dinner tonight? Thinking Mexican food, which is why I decided to have a tequila oh, drink. Good. I've been okay. craving some tacos and chips and queso. How about you? Ooh, I, I am doing, um, on Fridays now, I'm doing fish and fruit. Because oh, I'm, I like it. I'm doing like a health journey kind of thing. And yes. my brother is Catholic. And I went, I went to his confirmation. So does that make me like two or three percent Catholic? Is You're a little Catholic. That's me. Too. So my family is very Catholic. I have like priests and nuns and things. Oh, so wow. I'm like, I'm like, I got the hint of Catholic. The hint of Catholic. Yeah. So I, I do fish and, and fruit. So I'm doing some salmon. Um, very nice. Uh, and Ignacio doesn't like seafood. You know, mm. you know what really works. I'll go back to this, but we are the total opposites of each other which I think makes it work. Yeah, Every, I think sometimes that can work. The total opposites, but something, a lot of things we have in common, but that's it. Okay, here is right. the bonus question of the day. Mm, okay. Are you ready for this one? Ready. Champagne or a cocktail? Champagne. If it is real champagne, champagne all day, every day. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. And, and the words, of that great African-American poet, Drake. <laughs> you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Very true. A favorite of mine as well. There you go. A mimosa. Oh, yes. This is, this is a side note. I'm going to talk about the sonic, but mimosa, get away from orange juice. You do yeah. some pomegranate juice mm. or some tangerine juice. Even like real cranberry juice, not cranberry juice cocktail, but like the real cranberry juice is fantastic. Or my other favorite for a mimosa is sorbet. I recently 
was at a restaurant and they had salted cantaloupe sorbet in a mimosa and it was fantastic. That, I just, I, I went blind yeah. for a moment. I was like, oh, wow, that's just, just fantastic. Makes it an experience. Okay, we're gonna wrap up, but I, I, but I, <laughs> I cannot end this if I don't mention the Sonic. A yes. gin and Sonic. We start with cocktails, we end with cocktails. A Sonic oh, is tonic water and what, and what Megan and- Club soda. Club soda. It's just like a gin and tonic, but the, the club soda takes a little bit of the sweet out. And you can have a gin and soda, tastes like water. A gin and tonic, some people find it a little sweet, but together, and it's all the rage in Japan now. It's a gin and sonic. And Megan was telling me earlier, uh, there's a, a place in Richmond that really makes a, a tonic water. Yes, it's actually, it's a company called Navy Hill. I think it's sold nationwide. They make a bunch of different tonics, but one of them is soda tonic. So it's half and half. So you don't have to buy two things. You just get that. Uh, the other thing I like about the Sonic is again, it's a little lower calorie. So, you know, you can pretend like you're making those healthy choices. That is fantastic. Well, Megan, yes. I want to thank you immensely for joining me today. We've we covered so many topics that people want to hear about, which, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. You can hear this on the podcast. You can watch it on the vlog. It's just fantastic. And Megan, please promise me this. Will you come back? I would love to come back. Thank you so much for having me. This was a fabulous Friday. You are so welcome. And <laughs> kids, um, I'm going to end with uh, a little politics and a little thought for the week. And uh, let's give Megan a hand and we'll see y'all soon. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that great conversation with Megan. It was a hoot and those cocktails were fabulous. So now as we wrap up the week, we always wrap it up with my great eight of the week. These are stories that we didn't get into, but they're making news in politics and or pop culture. As usual, my great eight. CPAC, why does anyone care? Keep it moving. Lady Gaga's dogs, so glad they were recovered. That's just a horrible story. And the dog walker was shot. That's a crazy story, but we'll get to the bottom of that. Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, no more. Just Potato Head? Hmm. Okay. I think Harrisburg was just trying to make some news, and they did. The COVID relief bill was passed in the House, now moves over to the Senate, but it's not going to include that $15 a minimum wage hike. But a standalone bill is coming. Stay tuned. Ted Cruz at CPAC. You have to see it to believe it. Ridiculous. Hate crimes against Asians. It's insidious and it needs to stop. It's what kind of humanity do we have, if any? If you need something light, look, please look at the interview with James Corden, Prince Harry. It's 15 minutes. It will lighten your day.
And last but not least, I got my first COVID vac vaccination. It was smooth. It was easy. Getting the appointment was hard, but I got in. And I got the Moderna. And, and for two days, I felt like pooey. But I can take two days of feeling pooey if it's not going to, if, if I don't die from COVID. So thank goodness. So that concludes our great eight of the week. And thank you for joining us for P3, politics, pop culture, and potpourri. Until next week, stay safe, keep listening, be good.